A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard these stories all of your life? Don't you understand the foundation of all things? God sits high above the round ball of earth. The people look like mere ants. He stretches out the skies like a canvas. Yes, like a tent canvas to live under. He ignores what all the princes say and do. The rulers of the earth count for nothing. Prince and rulers don't amount to much. Like seeds barely rooted, just sprouted, they shrivel when God blows on them. Like flecks of chaff, they're gone with the wind. So who is like me? Who holds a candle to me, said the holy. Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all this? Who marches this army of stars out each night, counts them off, calls them each by name? So magnificent, so powerful, and never overlooks a single one. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything, inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts, for even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall, but those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. The word of the Lord. A reading from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians. Still, I want to make it clear that I've never gotten anything out of this for myself, and that I'm not writing now to get something. I'd rather die than give anyone ammunition to discredit me or impugn my motives. If I proclaim the message, it's not to get something out of it for myself. I'm compelled to do it, and I'm doomed if I don't. This was my own idea of just another way to make a living. I'd expect some pay. But since it's not my idea, but something solemnly entrusted to me, why would I expect to get paid? So I'm getting anything out of it? Yes, as a matter matter of fact, the pleasure of proclaiming the message at no cost to you. You don't even have to pay my expenses. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily became the servant in any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, mortalist, loose living immortalist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Directly on leaving the meeting place, they came to Simon and Andrew's house, accompanied by James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed, burning up with fever. They told Jesus. He went to her, took her hand, and raised her up. 
No sooner had the fever left than she was up fixing dinner for them. That evening, after the sun was down, they brought sick and evil afflicted people to Jesus. The whole city lined up at his door. He cured their sick bodies and tormented spirits. Because the demons knew his true identity, he didn't let them say a word. While it was still night, way before dawn, he got up and went out to a secluded spot and prayed. Simon and those with him went looking for him. They found him and said, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus said, let's go to the rest of the villages so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. He went to their meeting places all through Galilee, preaching and throwing out the demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, it's that big season still, that season of Epiphany, and we've been talking the last couple of weeks that Epiphany is a special kind of learning. It's not just where we learn that there's other flavors of Doritos out there. It's when we learn something that changes the way we live the rest of our lives. It's when we get an idea that we can never unlearn, like learning how to read. We've heard stories about Jesus having epiphanies, moments where Jesus has learned something that changed, changed him. And it's kind of neat, isn't it, to think that just like you and I, Jesus had to learn how to read and write. And Jesus had to learn how he was supposed to conduct himself at parties and when to use the small fork and the big fork this is a bigger lesson, though. It's not about how he's supposed to act at a party. It's about how he's supposed to live his life. Now, folks, you could read this story very cynically. Jesus goes and finds that Simon's mother-in-law is sick, and he heals her so that she can get up and make dinner. <laughs> Typical man. <laughs> Easier to heal a sick lady than make your own sandwich. You could hear it that way. But you know, there's two things happening in the story we often forget. When Jesus was around, people thought if you were sick, it's because you deserved it. People thought if you were sick, it's because you'd done something wrong. Maybe you'd told a lie. Or, or maybe you'd, you'd touch something you weren't supposed to touch, like a shrimp, and then not washed your hands. So everybody around thought, Simon's mother-in-law is sick because God is punishing her. And when Jesus makes her well, don't you see, he tells everybody around, there is nothing wrong with this lady. In fact, she's good enough, this is going to sound funny, she's good enough to make a meal we can eat. When Jesus was around, if there was something wrong with you, you couldn't touch food because if other people ate it, it would make them gross too. It's sort of like imagining you forgot to wash your hands after you went to the bathroom and there you were cooking dinner. You would not want to eat that dinner. Jesus washes her hands. That's what he does for her. And everybody says, wow, there is nothing wrong with this lady or her food. Let's enjoy one another. 
And then comes the next part. They bring lots of people to Jesus who are sick. We don't know what's wrong with them except they've got unclean spirits. Maybe they've got the flu. Maybe their leg is hurt and they walk with a limp. Maybe they see things that aren't there. They bring those people to Jesus. And these are people just like Simon's mother-in-law. Everybody thought there was something wrong with them. Not because they were sick. No, no. They thought they were sick because there was something wrong with them. They deserved to be sick. They deserved to be mistreated. They deserved for people to look at them as less than everybody else. And Jesus says, there's nothing wrong with you anymore. And then he goes off and no one can find him. All those people he helped, they just want to be with Jesus. Maybe they want to give him some high fives. Maybe they want to get to know him a little bit better. And they don't know where to look. He tells his friends, look, we already helped them. Let's go look for other people to help. It's almost like Jesus has figured out for himself that he would rather be looking for people to help than staying in one spot and hearing, thank you, thank you, thank you, aren't I great? I don't know if you play this game at your house. One of our favorite games is hide-and-seek. Any hide-and-seek players out there? This is a really difficult game to play when you're very small and as you start to get old. Because the best ways to hide, of course, are to get yourself in a little ball under something. When I was three, and now that I'm older than three, I really didn't like to wait very long to be found. Hide and seek is fun if you get found. I can tell you the worst thing ever about hide and seek is that people stop looking for you. <laughs> Particularly when you're in a really good spot, like under a chair with a blanket on you, or, I don't know, under my daughter's dollhouse. It's a good hiding spot, because she can't always find me, and I wish she would. My knees hurt. <laughs> it's almost like Jesus is saying, instead of being found by people, He'd like to spend the rest of his life finding people. Looking for people who maybe started out hiding for fun. Sometimes we hide things and it's fun. Oh, I've got this quirky habit. Or I've got these different socks on. I'll only show them to my friends because they are kind of funny or people who pay attention. But otherwise, I'll just leave my pants down. Thank you very much. And no one will see my funny socks that I'm hiding. It can start out innocent enough, but after a while, sometimes, we can get so used to hiding, we wonder if anybody is looking for us at all. You ever wondered if God was looking for you? And Jesus says, yes. God is, in fact, looking for you. That's how he spends the rest of his life. In fact, Jesus doesn't go back to work. He up and quits his job. <laughs> he no longer goes to work every morning 
as a day laborer. Instead, now he goes looking for people who have been hiding so long from God and other people that they don't know if anyone's looking. And of course, the words they want to hear are, it's safe to come out. It's safe to come out. And Jesus tells his friends, hey, it was so much fun with Simon's mother-in-law, and it was so much fun with those people in the village who felt like they could finally come out and be people again and not be looked at as less than people. I want to play that game the rest of my life, so let's keep playing. Let's go to the next town and look for people who are afraid to come out. Let's go to the next town and find the people who have been hiding so long they have no hope of being welcomed out. Let's go and find those people under the dollhouse whose knees hurt from hiding and say, come on out from the dollhouse. And I wonder if, like me, you wish God would find you more often than you feel like God finds you. It was easy for God to find me when I was a teenager and I went to youth camp or on a mission trip. I felt very found. I wish God would find me about every 15 minutes. Because <laughs> quite honestly, whenever God finds me, I sure do like to go back into hiding one way or another. I wish God would play peekaboo with me all day long. I wonder, though, if the story isn't saying if we're looking for God to find us, perhaps we could join God in looking for other people. And maybe that's exactly where not only we'll be found, but we'll find other people. Folks, when I was a kid, I learned that you had to do the right thing for the right reason or it didn't count. You ever heard that? <laughs> It's not just enough to do the right thing. You've got to do the right thing for the right reason. I have rarely done the right thing for the right reason. I want to let you know. <laughs> Often I give gifts to people because I'm supposed to. You ever done this before? Given a gift because you were supposed to? Of course, you gave it because you were supposed to, and it made you feel better because you did what you were supposed to do. What a great surprise that a few times in my life I've done that. I gave a gift to somebody for no good reason, and wow, they were delighted. It was as if God found them through something I did that I didn't even want to do. I am positive that counts. <laughs> See, the thing we often forget is that God is looking for people. God is inviting people to come out. That hiding is okay, but only if you're going to be found. You ever hide so well that an hour later, no one was looking for you? <laughs> That's not even fun when you're a teenager. <laughs> wonder if Jesus isn't trying to invite us to consider that larger life is in the looking and in the finding. Larger life is when we say, you can hide if you want to, but you don't have to. 
And wherever you go, I'll look. Larger life is saying, come out, come out, wherever you are, no need to hide from me. And larger life happens, this is the miracle of God, through the little things we do, the little things we do, even if we didn't mean for them to work at all. That's the wonderful thing about God, isn't it? God is so much bigger than us that God can work miracles even when we don't want them to happen. So why fight? And why hide? And why not instead have the same epiphany of Jesus? Come out, wherever you are. Invite people out of hiding, where they can be safe, where they can be loved, and where you can be too.